Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Atkins, a first-year child and adolescent psychiatry fellow, in for Dr. Aaron Parks, who's not joining us tonight. I'm joined by my co-host, child and adolescent psychiatrist, Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi. Hey, Tosha. Hi, guys. We'd also like to welcome here with us in the background tonight, the newest member of our team, future physician Yasmin Dakama. Hey, Yasmin. Hi, all. Uh, Yas is making our show happen, so um, thank you. The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker alone. They do not represent the University of California, Riverside, or UCR's School of Medicine. On today's show, we are excited to have with us Dr. Iman Ali Drus. Hey, Iman. Hi there. Iman is a recent psychiatry graduate from Kaiser Permanente's Southern California Psychiatry Residency Program. She recently gave a regionally attended Grand Rounds talk regarding the neuropsychiatric complications of COVID-19. She had specific experience through this pandemic, working with the hospital bioethics team through the creation of evolving guidelines relating to COVID-19. So um, thank you guys for having me. And uh, it's a really interesting topic, uh, basically discussing the neuropsychiatric complications of COVID. Obviously, this is a very much evolving field. And I think anyone in healthcare has seen that anyone, you know, outside of healthcare has witnessed it. We are all learning together. Um, and so just kind of want to throw that out there that a lot of this is still very much developing. A lot of it um, does not have official guidelines. And you know, we've been in this for a couple of years now and we don't really know how everything's gonna play out. Um, but essentially just to give a little bit of my background on how I became interested in this. Uh, so I was in psychiatry residency. I was on a consult rotation during the first wave of COVID. So we were doing inpatient psychiatry consults in the hospital. And we would get consulted on various uh, sort of difficulties that COVID patients were having in the hospital setting. And so I was seeing that kind of during that first wave. And then uh, subsequently, I was on a bioethics rotation during the Delta wave of COVID. And so again, kind of seeing it from a different perspective, seeing how, uh, you know, it was really truly wreaking havoc on on patients and their lives. And so each wave has behaved a little differently, you know, then after that came the Omicron variant and that's behaved a little bit differently. And so just seeing it sort of from the clinician side, um, it has been, you know, to be honest, very terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine these kind of scenarios. I saw a few of them where you're going to see a patient so when you said psychiatry consult, what that means is Iman is going to medicine patients in the hospital. They're admission for, admitted for non-psychiatry reasons, but they may have had a psychiatry problem that 
the, the team taking care of them wanted expert psychiatry help with. So I'm imagining you're going to see some people who are maybe dying of COVID, but they don't believe COVID is real or things like that. Was that some of what was going on for you? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, there was a disbelief when that first wave happened of, you know, people not really grasping, you know, how severe this can get. And so these were people who were functioning, working their jobs, living their lives. And all of a sudden they are on ventilators. They need supplemental oxygen and going from that highly functional person to, uh, you know, having these limitations, uh, it is very unsettling for people. And so just, you know, got to see that happening again with each wave, um, a different set of side effects that were happening. Hey, I just want to cut in here really quick. I don't think we covered what topic we're going to discuss tonight. So the topic is the neuropsychiatric complications of COVID. And um, we brought on our guest, Iman, because she has um, so much knowledge about this specific topic. So, um, yeah, Iman, I think you were talking about, you know, your background and things. Do you think you could explain to us about how COVID can cause neuropsychiatric symptoms, just like mechanistically? Sure, sure. So... From our current understanding, there are a couple of different ways that the virus uh, gets into our system and gets into our brains. And so, you know, you may have heard of losing your sense of smell and losing your sense of taste. So that is actually the virus attaching to the olfactory epithelium directly. So the virus is kind of going up your nasopharynx and attaching directly to your olfactory nerve. And from the nerve, it can spread neuronally uh, through your nervous system. Uh, other viruses can uh, behave similarly. And so that is one of the mechanisms that we're seeing. We're also seeing a hematogenous spread, which is through blood. Um, and so the virus will kind of break through the blood brain barrier and again, cause um, encephalopathy, cause all kinds of neuropsychiatric complications. Um, the couple of other mechanisms, one of them is hypoxia. So because of sort of the pulmonary parts of COVID, it is causing hypoxic injury to the brain. And that will then have different types of neuropsychiatric manifestations. And then the big one is just system-wide inflammation. So you know, this phrase has gotten thrown around a lot is like cytokine storm and like inflammatory response to the virus. And that itself is very, very damaging um, for the brain because it messes with all kinds of neurotransmitters, has all kinds of detrimental side effects. So right now it's like a multi-level um, way that the virus is affecting our brains. So I went to this um, APA lecture, at, uh, sorry, I went to this talk at the APA, the recent APA um, in 2022 this year. And um, I went to a, the talk was called Brain 
Dog. Um, I don't remember the whole title, but it was presented by Dr. Durga Roy, John Levinson, Maria Tiamson, Kosab, and Susan Abbey. And um, they mentioned a study that showed that there were actually greater global reductions in brain volume in patients with COVID versus controls. That was so interesting to me. Basically, what I've learned through, you know, my grand rounds and through my experiences, like in the ICU, on the wards, on the outpatient side, is that if you can avoid getting this virus, period, that is your, Mm. you know, that is the best way to avoid a whole world of issues because Mm -hmm. just everything I've learned about it is scary. Like I said, it's, uh, there's a lot of unknown. And um, so basically what uh, you're referring to is something that uh, is now being researched more. They did a big study in the UK. So in the UK, they had a a bio bank that they were just kind of, this is before COVID, they were collecting uh, just baseline data on a lot of people within their system. And so they had like 40,000 people within this data bank that had a baseline MRI. And then COVID happened. No one, you know, knew that was going to happen. And then COVID happened. And so we had all these control MRIs. And uh, then they were able to do imaging on people after their COVID. And they did it on people who had mild illness. They did it on people who were barely symptomatic. And a lot of them uh, did end up having changes on their imaging and actually in their CSF. Um, And so it, it seemed to be more, again, in the parahippocampal areas in the olfactory area. Um, and then um, there was this diffuse atrophy in a lot of them, which is, wow. again, not good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what sort of symptoms are we seeing as a result of all this destruction and chaos? So, you know, a lot of them, again, are things that we have either, you know, seen our friends and our family kind of living through um, or seeing in the news. And so I sort of break it down into things you see kind of in the acute side of COVID and then this sort of long term outpatient side of COVID. Uh, And so you know, they're on the inpatient side, we're seeing a lot of havoc, again, just neuropsychiatric complications. Um, one of them is that with it, with all the damage to the endothelium, all the hem- hematogenous spread, uh, and there is higher risk of stroke. So again, we're seeing like young mm-hmm. people after COVID or during their COVID infection showing up with stroke symptoms. And that is something, you know, we'd never seen before. And, you know, so that that's part of it. And uh, physicians really need to kind of keep their guard up about that. And, you know, if someone is coming in with anything concerning for that, they need to be worked up for stroke and time is time is brain. So, uh, it's, that is one of them. Um, we're seeing a lot of delirium that happens with a lot of, you know, viral illnesses and just attacks on the brain. And so, um, that's happening a lot more too. 
what were some of the uh, crazy things that you saw or that frustrated you when you were consulting to the ICU or, or consulting uh, to the medical floors? So, uh, you know, we would see, again, like people who went from living independent lives, they'd never been in a hospital before, they'd never seen a doctor before, all of a sudden, they're in an ICU, they've got tubes, they've got nurses coming in, they're on a bunch of different medications, they feel like they're choking, that they can't breathe sometimes. And um, so... Uh, just a lot of, you know, anxiety, a lot of depression, and sometimes mm -hmm. even culminating in suicidal thoughts. We would actually see that quite a bit because uh, people are just like, this is not a quality of life that I want to continue with. I don't want to live as this person who can't breathe or needs assistance. Are these mood symptoms and I think also psychotic, new psychotic symptoms are happening too, right? As a result of COVID, are these sort of psychiatric symptoms appearing more with, you know, more serious COVID illness in general, or are you seeing it more from patients who were hospitalized or can you tell me a little more about, about that? I do think it is absolutely more common in serious illness, the more severe your illness is, the more likely it is that you will have these complications. So it is true that milder illness generally, you know, is not going to have you uh, experiencing some of these very severe neuropsychiatric complications, but that isn't to say that it can't happen. And, um, you know, there's definitely like a at risk population too, uh, in terms of just people who are at risk of more severe COVID are also at risk of more severe complications. And those people are uh, people with high blood pressure, people with diabetes, smokers, um, people with high BMIs. And so, you know, there is a at-risk population too that, um, need, you know, needs to be more careful. Mm, that's a good point. So I am a child and adolescent psychiatrist. So I mostly see, you know, kids, teenagers. Um, I also, a large part of my um, patient panel are college students or medical students even. And um, I've had some students come in with new reports of chronic fatigue and then it turns out like there's no other psychiatric symptoms going on you know no hint of depression or um like generalized anxiety um but they'll just have like chronic fatigue that's their only symptom and then it turns out they had covid maybe like a year ago two years ago same with new reports of impaired focus. I've had that as a symptom uh, presenting without any other like hyperactive symptoms or like no childhood history of impaired focus. Um, and then turns out, you know, history of COVID. If you're just joining us, this is Let's Get Psyched on KUCR. And we're talking about COVID-19 neuropsychiatric sequelae with Dr. Iman Ali-Drews. Back to you, Tosh. 
So yeah, it, that really freaks me out because um, without any other kind of symptom, um, I'm not totally sure what direction to go in. I, I was wondering, like, have you have you guys seen patients like this? Are you having patients with this like one fatigue, chronic fatigue, one symptom like that, or you know, new onset focus difficulties? So it's interesting that you say that uh, from the perspective of child and adolescent, because I have spoken to some people on the geriatric side that have very much been struggling with that. And uh, I, I, I'm guessing like, you know, that could be kind of categorized in the long COVID category. And so that's sort of this new term um, of symptoms that are persisting after 12 weeks. And it does include that. It includes the fatigue. It includes the concentration issues, a lot of word finding difficulty, um, a lot. Uh, I had a patient who um, would just become very emotional, like, you know, was never really struggling with, you know, being very emotional or quick to cry. Mm. But um, he all of a sudden was very easily crying at just like a commercial on TV. And so he's like, this is very uncharacteristic for me. And that I I believe all sort of falls within that long COVID category, which again, is not very well understood at this point. We don't know how long it can go on for. We don't know. That's the frustrating part. Like it's so hard to be like, well, maybe it's long COVID, you know, there's no way to, to show that this is what it's coming from. And then you don't have answers to give them, which is really frustrating. Yeah. And so it's all part of, I mean, to kind of get back to like what we believe the theory right now is, is this brain inflammation that's going on. So I feel like understanding that helps us think of like what the next steps can be, which is right now we're dealing with an inflamed brain. There's a lot of antibodies. There's a lot of cytokines. There's a lot of just kind of gunk going on in there that's causing a lot of concentration issues, uh, lack of interest and, uh, you know, a lot of the symptoms you're describing. And so then the, the question is like, how do we fight that inflammation? And one of the, I, I guess I read about this and I was, it, it sort of ch- it caused some lifestyle changes for me, which is exercise and cardiovascular exercise really causes a lot of circulation within the brain, really increases the blood flow. And it does help to wash out a lot of those infl- in, that inflammation going on in there. And so, you know, as much as people can tolerate increasing their physical activity and cardiovascular exercise actually can be very helpful. Absolutely. And, and I th- yeah, I mean, it's amazing how many different things in the medical realm are, are assisted much more than expected by exercise. And I, I want to just put a plug in for what Iman is talking about here is the glymphatic system. We have an episode about that. And basically it's this 
pressure differential that is, is pretty recently known to psychiatry um, that ends up functioning like the brain. It's the brain's lymphatic system. And so there, the, when you raise blood pressure, one might, I don't know this for sure, but one might assume that that pressure, that pressure differential that results in the glymphatic filtering is enhanced. Exactly. So that is sort of the running thought there. And it's, you know, obviously it's good for all other organ systems you have and, and getting all of that kind of with some better blood flow will be helpful. And so I would say like for those patients, just kind of reminding them that um, this may not be permanent. I think a lot of people can kind of spiral into this is how it is now. This is how it's going to be for the rest of my life. And that can be very hopeless. And just reminding mm-hmm. them, you know, that they they had a very severe attack on their body. This is a novel virus. We don't fully understand it, but, um, you know, our bodies do have a huge ability to heal and bounce back, uh, even if it takes months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, Iman, um, do you have any stories from your CL experience about uh, working or seeing patients and the type of neuropsychiatric symptoms they presented with or any stories from your work with the bioethics team? I'd be really interested to hear about that. Yes, uh, we I, I did see a, a lot of interesting stories. Um, one of them that really stuck with me um, and just to uh put the disclaimer out there. This is a de-identified patient changing the information um, just to protect the patient's privacy. But uh, we did have a patient um, who uh, was a physician. So, you know, again, used to being on the treating side of things and now the tables are turned, needing to be hospitalized for very severe COVID, uh, kind of causing a lot of respiratory distress. Mm -hmm. And so uh, she was requiring supplemental oxygen, um, different medications. And um, after a couple of days in the hospital uh, did become acutely confused, started uh, having psychosis, hearing voices, seeing dead figures. And, um, and then that even progressed further into um, suicidality uh, that that got very severe. And it was, you know, with a plan and with intent and, and just did not want to live like that anymore. Now, did she have a prior psychiatric history? She did. She did have a history of depression that was well controlled with uh, medication, uh, but it was never, ever to this degree. Hmm. And, and so, you yeah, know, so what ended up ha- happening? Yeah. So the story does have a good ending in that um, even in sort of the depths of the illness and, and struggling to breathe and, and then having these neuropsychiatric complications, she did pull out of it after a few weeks, uh, no longer required supplemental oxygen, those, the psychosis resolved, uh, the um, suicidality had resolved. And, and then, you know, on the outpatient side, I did kind of follow up on this person on the outpatient side. Um, it was actually months later that she started to feel 
like herself again. Um, That was months after sort of a brain fog feeling and of not Mm -hmm. feeling like herself. Mm -hmm. And there are times when you kind of just want to like give up hope, but I would say that um, again, we have a a huge um, ability to like recover from these illnesses as well. Mm. Well, yeah, that is a really fascinating case. Um, So scary to think about how many psychiatric symptoms can occur from a respiratory illness. And and the strength that is involved in that. I mean, so, so um, I, I had COVID not so long ago and I didn't have any of that stuff. And it was still so scary. I was about to start fellowship and I was, I was checking the test. I was testing every day, like, Oh my God, what if it doesn't stop in time? And, and look, Googling, like what percent of people test negative in nine days and what percent of people test negative in 10 days. And then I, I think I went like 12 days and it was still positive or something like that. And, and I, I was almost right at the start of fellowship. Um, and you know, even with that, it was terrifying. And, and just my, you know, I, my, my runs were a little slower and, I wasn't hallucinating or anything like that. And, um, you know, I mean, it's the medical experience of being on a hospital floor is, is unimaginably difficult. Oh, Toshi, you have a word. Well, I wanted to ask about that bioethics team, um, that you were involved with, but maybe we'll save that for the next episode. That's your bait. Ladies and gentlemen, come back for next episode, because that's all the time we have for this edition of let's get psyched today. We discussed the, uh, neuropsychiatric implications and sequelae of COVID-19. Um, thank you to our co-host, Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi. Thank you, Dr. Iman Ali Drews for joining us on Let's Get Psyched. Um, If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for the show, you can write to us at getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. If you liked this episode, please prescribe. Freudian slip. If you like this episode, please subscribe <laughs> and post a review, not prescribe. If you can, li- uh, you can listen to extended versions of our show or past ep- episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer is Elliot Fong. I've been your host, Dr. Alan Atkins in for Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of let's get psyched. <laughs>